Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. First of all, uh, welcome guys. Welcome to another edition of the Builders Club Water Cooler Conversations. This is our Startup Founders Podcast and tonight we have a very, very, very special guest with us, uh, Rahul. Uh, Rahul Rana is basically, he's a venture builder and an investor with specialties in finance and astronomy. He works for Lux Capital, which is one of the most prestigious uh, venture capital firms in the world. Uh, he also has a newsletter, one of the bigger newsletters uh, in the in the ecosystem called Not Boring, which has uh, which has a followership of around one hundred twenty five thousand, and he has he is also an author. This is probably uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rahul. This is your second book, right? If not the first, this is the second book, right? Uh, I'm sorry, so this is my um. I've only written one book, but this is a the second kind of launch yeah. of it. So it's a, it's a second edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is his second book. Uh, and he has he's just the book is going to be released. Uh, on the thirtieth of November, the book is called uh, "Building Moonshot Companies." Uh, and we are basically going to talk and have a very candid conversation with Rahul around uh, his journey. Uh, what his uh, you know what his take is on the overall venture and investor ecosystem as well as about his book and how he looks and his perspective on uh, on how uh, one builds moonshot companies welcome uh, welcome rahul to the builders club yeah thank you for having me awesome cool rahul we'll basically start off with a little bit about your journey uh, mm-hmm. your initial days, uh, where were you brought up, what kind of initial professional training did you go through, where all did you work, and mm-hmm. your journey in the overall uh, investor ecosystem and, and and your inspiration to write uh, this, this new book of yours. And then we'll probably do a deep dive into the different aspects of the book as well. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, again, thank, you, thank you for having me, Sarah. Um, yeah, no, my, my journey starts really uh, early on in my life. Um, I had two core two core influences growing up, and I grew up in in, in New Jersey my, my entire life and go to school and everything in Jersey. Um, so I had, had two core influences growing up. Uh, one, my dad, he worked at Bell Labs my entire life. So for those who don't know, Bell Labs, you know, one of the most influential, impactful science labs in the world in all of history, basically. They made tons of inventions and breakthroughs and, and innovations and just amazing kind of science that came out of Bell Labs um, in the past century. And so kind of, you know, going to the lab as a kid, seeing all the you know, sort of, you know, bronze plaques of all the famous scientists that walked those halls and all the inventions that they made, it was just, you know, super inspiring kind of from day one. Um, and so, you know, grew up just surrounded by science and tech and, and all things, just, you know, frontier, uh, everything on the frontiers. Um, then on my mom's side, I, I actually, so my mom is actually a survivor from 9-11. And so, you know, I kind of grew up with oh. this urge to, you know, do good for the country, you know, want to solve its problems, see it thrive. And so sort of at the intersection of those two, I really became fascinated with you know, using science and tech, but with, with some sort of impactful kind of angle and to, and to, you know, to do so in some sort of you know, sustainable kind of financially sustainable sort of way. And that's where I came across, you know, first year tech startups and deep tech startups and everything. Uh, I found it fascinating because here are these founders that are kind of taking these incredible risks to go solve some big problem in the world. And in doing so, they make some sort of legendary company. And again, everyone you know, around it, whether it's the investors, whether it's the founders, the team, you know, the customers, everyone just you know, generally benefits from this 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 advancement in science or tech or whatever it may be, and so to that end, I, I became fascinated and and really just super passionate about all things deep tech, and so I you know, I wanted to create content of some sort when I got to college, and so I was thinking you know should I create you know YouTube videos or TikToks or blogs or articles that I was you know kind of wanted to get my name out there, 
And a uh, mentor of mine, he kind of pushed me to, to write a book. He said this one line to me, he said, you know, write the book to become an expert instead of becoming an expert, then writing the book. And that was really that mindset shift that kind of uh, gave me the confidence to say like, all right, like, you know, I, I got nothing to lose. Um, you know, maybe this could go really, really well, really, really poorly. Like, I, I, let me at least try it. And so <clears throat> decided to tell you, start writing my book in, in the beginning of 2020. Uh, actually, before you know, COVID and everything sort of hit in around December, uh, sorry, January 2020. And, um, you know, started writing the book and then, you know, wrote just a rough drafts of it. Um, you know, started interviewing tons of VCs and founders and people in government and scientists and everyone. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. And I eventually got a book deal. And then after the book deal, that's, you know, I sort of you know, went through the whole process and everything and eventually published it in December of 2020. Um, and, and, you know, launched the book and that book really launched my entire career. And I know we'll get into that later. So I'll kind of skip all the, all the details there. But after the book, I, I got hired at Lux Capital. So Lux is a $4 billion, uh, you know, deep tech VC firm, um, based in New York and, and, and over in California and did amazing things there. Worked across all sorts of sectors, you know, space, climate, bio, crypto, national security, everything under the sun there. Um, worked across the entire fund and all, all, all sorts of functions, helped with all the partners, and every, everything there. Um, so one thing about Lux Capital is that they incubate companies in-house. Um, and so I was working on one incubation. We were going to you know, spin out this one biotech company. When you know, come to find out, we, we were talking to experts in, in, in sort of this niche of biotech. The concept was called non-model organisms. Um, and so we, we were talking to experts in this space. And you know, come to find out two of those experts were leaving their academic labs to go build a new lab called Arcadia Science. And, you know, so I was doing translational strategies sort of work at Lux. I was helping them, you know, helping this, this, the, you know, this group of founders and stuff incubate their company and, you know, commercialize their findings, et cetera. And so they, they, they sort of, you know, asked me to join day one and, um, you know, sort of help them with the translational strategy aspect of their, of their lab. And so kind of, I kind of took that risk and took that jump. So left Lux to go build Arcadia. That was an amazing experience. We raised 500 million for the biotech lab. I spun out a company there. Um, they're doing amazing science there. So, so, so. Honestly, super inspirational kind of story. Just being in the trenches there and actually you know, kind of building something from the ground up was was just uh, awesome, to say the least. Um, then this past summer, you know, we, we got a little bit of growth equity experience sort of at General Atlantic, um, you know, big kind of eighty-five billion dollar growth equity firm. And then, yeah, ever since, sort of been you know writing, writing for not boring, scouting, you know, investments on the side and everything. So you know, trying just trying to you know generally do well by the the deep tech ecosystem and kind of lifting all aspects of it. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's sort of my my journey. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, um, Rahul, I basically wanted to understand a few things before we get into the uh, into the into the book. Uh, number one is um, so you have been basically working with General Atlantic, have worked with General Atlantic, and now with Lux Capital. Is there a sector specific focus for you guys, or you people are sector agnostic? So, so I actually worked at Lux um, a year ago, and I, I've since left. I, so I worked at Lux first, then worked at General Atlantic, and now I left the General, General Atlantic okay. and uh, you know, doing some doing something new, and then and we'll we'll sort of uh, announce that sometime soon. Nonetheless, um, uh, you know, didn't um, you know when I when I was at Lux, you know, Lux for example invests in all sorts of frontier tech and hard science sectors. They also do you know software and they do crypto and everything else, but they're, they they primarily started with a sort of a core thesis around sort of. You know, they, they call it quote unquote matter that matters or, or just investing in sort of you know, you know scientific industries that they're gonna you know, do do you know, progress science as a whole and do good for you know solve some of our problems in the world but also are fundamentally great businesses and so um they, they had this really kind of you know, deep tech kind of uh, thesis uh in in, in their sort of lifetime um for general Atlantic they're definitely much more uh software focused and 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 and, and much more safer investors uh, not not really investing in science but rather just like you know, businesses with, with with strong fundamentals and, and 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 good metrics and everything and so to that end um you know got 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 some good kind of fundamental experience from from general atlantic and you know in terms of what's next i think I, i'm definitely going to be focusing on you know all things you know deep tech frontier tech you know, hard science whatever you want to call it um the sectors that i've been i'm you know, sort of really interested in gone deep in are, are really a space biotech uh, climate and energy and and national security amongst those four sort of you know, sectors i've I found found uh, you know, to be most fascinating and uh, and fulfilling to say the least. Um, so, yeah. No, no, absolutely, yeah. And I think this book, Making Moonshots, this uh, has been inspired by your journey uh, in the VC space and your experience yeah, yeah. in speaking with different companies. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I wrote the book, you know, back in twenty twenty. Um, you know, uh, what what you know, interviewed you know tons of people, and uh, yeah, it, it really it really just launched my entire career in, in, in venture. Yeah, interesting. So, uh, one thing before we move on, we have to give a shout out to Alexandria and Emily, 
who is uh, also present in the in the call so emily is a representative of, of alexandria alexandria is basically the uh, the company which is basically helping in publishing the book for rahul uh, it's a limited edition digital book publisher which is powered by blockchain uh, and they're basically turning the traditional publishing publishing model on its head uh, by putting royalties and ip control in the hands of authors and i think this is one of their first for a this is the one of the first publications uh, uh, by by alexandria so all the way best and congratulations amily for for this and all the way all the way best rahul as well for the launch um thank you. okay so thank you thanks for having us i i had to give that shout out here yeah, emily um but yeah anyways so uh, i basically want to deep dive into the whole idea of making moonshots and we're going to uh, you know continue uh, continue having a deeper conversation around it uh, so i think you know you basically in this book from what i understand you basically talk about why should we live in a world of incremental scientific and technological pro- uh, progress when the human race has proven in the past era that we are capable of so much more right so yeah. i think i think why don't you tell us a little bit more about your perspective you know what's what's the what's the whole theme of the book uh, and and what's what's your take on 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 building moonshots moonshot companies yeah absolutely absolutely so you know obviously the term moonshot right comes from yeah the the, the original so yeah apollo missions and the original moonshot and and what i found fascinating about that kind of that that, that sort of era and, and specifically those missions was that you know a few, it was you know a few things so first is that you know this was some sort of wholly unte- untested you know science they were not sure if they were actually going to make it they were probably going to fail to be quite honest when when sort of jfk made his famous young moon speech um they had nothing they didn't have you know they didn't have rockets nor spacesuits nor you know space food or any of the infrastructure or the computing power nothing they didn't have anything really to go to space but yeah he and jfk kind of stood there and, and made his famous kind of moon speech so like, all right like, we're going to go to the moon sort of by the end of the decade and so it's that sort of you know galvanization of, of you know the general public and, and of science and of you know, t- uh, you know technical talent and everyone and people in government like every all all aspects of this e- of the ecosystem kind of you know, galvanizing everyone and then sort of you know getting them excited enough to support this you know crazy kind of you know mission this this you know, quote unquote moonshot mission um literal moonshot mission sort of at the time but yeah nonetheless um it was you know getting getting all those people excited about it and it's also just doing the impossible at the end of the day you know like, like that mission was probably not going to succeed and there was many things there's many reasons why it should not have succeeded actually and yet they they, they powered through and, and 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 they made it work at the end of the day and so I just find that that story you know, fascinating but also very representative of current day you know sort of startups um or even 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 startups of the past but again nonetheless startups that are sort of harnessing some sort of scientific breakthrough or some sort of, sort of you know, technological kind of progress and you know, doing so in a way to solve some big problem in the world so you have the that science and tech you have the impact but then you also have sort of the strong fundamental business at heart it's a business we're not investing in science projects we're not you know kind of giving government you know non-dilutive grants where we're you know in, 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 you know as, as venture investors and sort of startup founders like you want to create value you want to create you know, sort of business value and everything and so having those three components of you know the, the science and tech the impact and and the business side of things is what i define as a moonshot company and so to that end um you know i i think i'm you know we need to do everything we can to create more of these companies, you know, incentivize people to found these companies. Again, there's so many problems in the world across, you know, space and, you know, you know biotech and, and, you know, climate change and, and everything, robotics and autonomous vehicles and national security. And then I can, you know, the list goes on and on and on. There, there's so many sectors with so many kind of key issues that affect, you know, the masses. And so, so that can we solve, solve, you know, whatever problems in this sort of financial sustainable way, you know, in a way that creates, you know, a tremendous amount of value for, yeah, and 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 at the end of the day, like the way I like to put it is that you know moonshot companies are those that align enterprise value, obviously making good fundamental businesses, but also value to society, and in 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 terms of you know, again, you know solving big problems in the world and, and reducing human suffering to some extent. Um, I would not call it impact investing. I would not call it sort of you know like philanthropic anything. It's still you know it's still building again good fundamental businesses. It's still you know, venture investing into good quality companies and stuff. Um, but you know doing so with sort of this uh this this mission to again progress our understanding of science and technology as a whole um so yeah i think we need more of these companies i want to be one to incentivize them i want to be one to, want to build them and, and invest in them and sort of inspire people to be optimistic about them and everything um so yeah got it just just give me a minute yeah
Sorry, my laptop was dying. <laughs> okay, so uh, that that that's a very interesting take. I have a. I'll basically be a devil's advocate and ask you a few questions, uh, and you can basically help me understand your your uh, this thing on it. So basically, number one. Um, so when you say moonshot, are we talking about making trillion dollar businesses, or are we talking about solving a problem? which is big enough which has a which, which has a great impact in the world because these two are very different things right and i'm i'm sure that you you agree with me on that so what's your take yeah. on that yeah you know at the end of the day it's 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 both um and and you know the, the thing about these companies so so you know a lot, what a lot of people tend to ask me and everything is that no like like their primary uh sort of you know mission and everything is not to again again solve some big problem in the world do some incredible you know yeah, you know, science project, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, they, they are fundamentally businesses at hand and then they got to make you know, revenue and enterprise value and you know, sort of your returns for investors and everything. Um, but in doing so, they are you know, inherently solving big problems in the world. So again, I can give tons and tons of examples. You know, take like any any sort of biotech company, you know, maybe like the biggest one of the past decade is Moderna, right? Here's a company, right? They they, they invented this new way of, you know, sort of, uh, you know, drug discovery and energy, drug delivery and everything, you know, with, with the RNA therapeutics and, you know, come to find out it's a huge market and then come to find out that we had a pandemic and, and unless they, 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 they sort of vaccines and everything that comes with that. And so their primary goal was not to stop a pandemic. I doubt that they, that they, you know, sort of uh, predicted that sort of when they found the company, but um, you know, like this, here's a company where, you know, as a result of doing whatever work that they want to do and, you know, building the products and, you know, marketing those products and selling those products and things, it, you know, sort of uh, solved a massive problem in the world or, or, you know, sort of, you know, protected, you know, however many lives that it did and they have saved however many lives that it did and so to that end it's it's never the sort of the primary reason or maybe maybe it is it can be the primary reason or, or you know but not always but nonetheless it, it it comes down to you know doing both it's it's you know making those you know sort of billion dollar companies but also you know doing good in the world by just as a function of you know releasing those products interesting interesting so guys in case uh, so i'll i'll basically you know uh Keep the floor open as well. So in case you people want to jump in to ask a question, I'm happy to do so as well as we continue having this conversation because I have a lot of questions and this thing is going to be kind of, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue free flowing as, as we go on. But, uh, you know, in case you people want to have a question, you can put it down in the chat section and we can pull you in or you can just raise your hands and we can basically pull you in as well. So, um, so I think, uh, uh, Rahul, why don't we get a few of the few of uh, any anecdotes or any examples that you can give of any specific companies which you really admire, which you think, um, or rather, you can probably we can probably start off with a problem statement, or you know, are there any specific problems which have an opportunity for building moonshot companies, uh, and and is there a way we we have seen some companies try and do those and succeed as well? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I can give you later stage, you know, public company examples. I can give you startup examples. I can give you everything. There's, there's, there's so many of these out there. Um, if I were to pick my my favorite. Um, it's definitely the story of this one company, this one space company called Varda Space. Um, so what Varda is doing is that, um, and 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 my past employer was, was obviously an investor, and so that's why a little bias there. But nonetheless, um, you know, Varda is a is a space manufacturing company who is, uh, and 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 sort of the, the problem at hand is that you know there are a lot of you know products out there that you know we could make and produce you know exponentially better if we produce them in a microgravity environment. And so you think about you know like. Um, you know, sort of thinking about it at the atomic level, sort of on, on in, in, you know, in on Earth, where there's you know, gravity and everything. Um, there's some some products that you know uh, sort of aren't uh, necessarily perfect in sort of how, how we uh, kind of produce them sort of at the atomic level. But you know, if you produce them in space, for example, um, you get access to just an, an incredible you know sort of you know, like uh, quality of the products and everything, and and and, and other, other sorts of benefits. And so to that end, um, you know, how can we you know sort of you know, put a you know floating kind of factory in space and you know put it and make it over to earth and everything and sort of you know, take advantage of, uh, take advantage of this microgravity environment that's exactly what Varda is doing in that they they are launching these sort of you know, floating space factories and uh you know doing doing in space manufacturing to sort of you know take advantage of, of the microgravity environment there and they have a whole host of products that they're, they're sort of building and um you know they they they, they have a they, they partnered with incredible companies i think pretty sure rocket lab and spacex to kind of launch all the thing, uh, all the sort of raw materials up into space, 
they produce everything in space and then they have you know return capsules that are going to uh, return all the all the finished goods and so it's this cool sort of you know, supply chain for uh sp in space manufacturing and it's again it's crazy i mean i, I mean like it's it's probably going to fail it's it's a, you know it's incredibly clear and tough tough sort of thing but you know they have the right team at at, at hand and they have you know incredible sort of you know sort of you know, talent on board the the the, the business opportunity is incredible i mean they, they they have commercial traction already um you know they uh, it, it, the all, all signs are sort of pointing that i i really do believe that Barton is going to work out but yeah again you you know we talk about moonshot companies you know, how, how do i define them this one you know sort of taking advantage of some some sort of you know scientific breakthrough or technological kind of you know, progress in space manufacturing that's on the frontiers of what's possible at the moment uh it, it, no one has been able to do it sort of at scale besides you know the iss for, for example at, you know in sort of you know, tiny research examples and a few other companies here and there but no one has really done that at scale and so they d discovered some sort of uh you know this, this sort of way of inventing you know, so you know inventing or you know, producing things in space you know, in space manufacturing the whole floating factory concept and also the return capsules as well and so you know to that end they, they have this you know unproven science, but they, they, they built it and they validated it and they proved it eventually. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, it's impactful at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're creating products that, uh, again, you know, are exponentially better sort of, uh, you know, uh, on, for honors application. And also there's another, another thesis that is not a primary thesis of theirs, but actually a primary thesis of mine in that um, I think that one, you know, it will, will, it will be at a point in time where in terms of you know, space technology and everything, we'll be putting dirt, you know, quote unquote, dirty industries into space. Um, so you know, things, you know, industries that pollute the environment, you know, industries that you know, sort of you know, destroy the, the earth to some extent. If we could put them up into space and and, and kind of get rid of those, those those negative externalities, I think that's definitely a sort of a an era of progress that I think we'll 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 sort of be sort of you know, take take advantage of. And I think Barton is just the first example of that. Um, and so you putting putting manufacturing in space. Um, that that's my yeah, my my sort of your personal thesis. But um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But in terms of the impact, like that's how I think of it. And yeah, finally, it's a core business at hand. It's again, they're they 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 are making they have revenue, they have they have traction with you know, government contracts and and you know private uh, private companies and everything. Um, and, and all this information is online. I'm I'm not sort of saying anything secret. It's it's I don't know, I've written on a bunch of articles and stuff. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, they they have traction. They have you know, sort of, you know, amazing talent and, you know, investors and, and, and sort of, you know, money, money in the bank and everything. And so it's had that it will be a, you know, sort of multi-billion dollar company. I'm, I'm so sure of it. And so it's had that, you know, it, it, it sort of uh, qualifies for, for all those three sort of categories of, of what makes a good job company. Oh, so uh, my, so I have a question here. So I think this one is still one of those um, super niche deep tech companies who are basically trying to set up manufacturing in space and they might mm -hmm. have big ticket plans uh, who are basically ready to splurge for a solution which is just an optimization of the current and this might have its own hassles but this is not exactly creating a this is this is uh, this is basically a very interesting and a very super niche take on a problem uh which might which is not that big right now but might become big later in the future right so what about so my 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 question here is what about the problems which are right now here right from hunger to poverty to you know helping uh you know uh optimize the supply chain and making sure that the uh the right food is reaching to the right people uh to you know quantifying uh, how much nutrients are being uh, is is somebody getting on a per capita on an individual level? So I'm just basically just um, uh, trying to uh, think of of things uh, you know as I as I go along. But I think you get the drift, right? So I'm basically talking about macro level problems, which have solutions, but it's just that probably there is not much money to be made that people don't touch them. Right. So a lot of mm -hmm. the, the point that you were talking about was impact investing and social impact. And there is so much to do in that space. Uh, and this is probably one tangent, which I wanted to probably eat your brains on. And that's the reason why I wanted to ask you the question that is the problem need to be big for you to make a moonshot company? Or are we talking about valuations? Because these are two different questions. Right. So. Uh, probably a WHO, for example, the kind of problems that it tackles and this ranges from, and again, probably here the question comes is who's the customer and the customer could be the governments of the companies instead of the users in general, right? So my, mm -hmm. my question is how, how do you, uh, what about the problems which have, uh, which are right now 
there on a massive scale but probably just because nobody has been able to figure out that business model which will probably make this a sustainable and a viable business at the end of the day so that whatever input is going out whoever is putting in that input they get some uh, output plus a profit on top of it that these people have these these problems have not been tackled yet what is your take on that yeah yeah of course i mean you know my my initial reaction is that, you know one a moonshot doesn't have to necessarily be some sort of uh, you know crazy you know massive scale sort of thing it, it could be you know a small scale thing that you know maybe uh, so you know uh, affects a small community or a small group of people or, or anything like that it could be a personal moonshot um and 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 you know at the end of for 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 an individual to you know can do a seemingly impossible you know kind of achieve what's you know sort of thought as you know seemingly possible impossible but nonetheless they, they, they kind of succeed at the end anyone can really do a moonshot it, it's more of like a a a, a metaphor ah. for just doing impossible things at the end of the day um and so yeah so, that, and, yeah, and, and, so you're basically and you're, you're basically talking about setting your targets to the moon uh, be it yeah. on a personal level or on a business level, and you basically try to achieve the impossible. And... Yeah, yeah. And again, like everything I read in my book is sort of in the context of you know startups and you know, specifically venture scale startups and 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 those that those that want to create you know some sort of billion dollar multi billion dollar company and everything in terms of valuation stuff. And yeah, you're right there. Um, but again, that, that's not every moonshot. Um, again, you know, uh, there, there, there's countless moonshots that maybe, for example, are solely, you know, sticking to the science lab. And, and, and there's, you know, I can give you tons of examples there. But, you know, like uh, you know, various science, you know, scientific prog- projects and research studies and things like that. Yeah. It's not ready for the commercial sort of, you know, like sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of your process and everything and to be commercialized and to, it's not ready to build a team and, you know, make revenue and everything like that. It's, you know, kind of untested, you know, science and technology. But, you know, those are some moonshots at the end of the day. And they're just, you know, in, in a different sort of organization, right? In, in, in sort of like a research lab. You know, you could have moonshots in government. And that, that was actually the original definition of it, where, you you know, again, the, the Apollo missions was the coordination of the government in terms of you know, solving some big problem in the world and doing, again, doing the possible, et cetera. And so, again, moonshots can be within business. They could be within, you know, research and academia. They could be within government. They could be really within any, any sort of, uh, you know, sector and organization and, scale and individual and, and everything it, it really just is again i sort of at the end day um you know taking taking on something that's again seemingly impossible but you know if you're if you're if you're right and if it works it's going to change um the, the sort of the outcome of whatever is, sort of you know is there a it. is there a framework rahul which you talk about in the book about how do you approach making moonshots yeah, you know, there's 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 a few ways to go about you know approaching it. Um, I, I kind of broke it down into into you know four different uh, kind of you know, chapters. At the end of the day, um, it comes down to the 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 mindsets, the philosophies, the strategies, and the ecosystems that are really conducive to building moonshot companies. And so, you know, I, I can give examples of each. Um, you know, in terms of the mindsets, right? One thing I found that was fascinating for a lot of moonshot founders was that they, you know, like like you know, people call it different things. You know, Google X, they 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 call it you know quote unquote radical creativity. You know, other people call it just generally just being ambitious and being you know, high quality founders. Even really anything, but nonetheless, like one core quality that I found of a lot of moonshot founders is that they they have two seemingly opposing traits, and they they find harmony at that sort of the intersection of those two. So, for example, most of these moonshot founders right there, extremely optimistic and extremely pessimistic. They're extremely responsible, yeah, extremely irresponsible. Yeah, you know, very very sort of grounded in reality, very imaginative, and you know, very naive. And everything, but very you know, sort of you know, realistic and kind of rooted in reality and everything. And so, so then you know, these founders have two different extremes in terms of you know, like uh, their, their their qualities. But at the end, they they find sort of harmony at, at sort of the, the 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 balance between those two kind of seemingly opposing traits. Um, and I you know, there's tons of other you know, generally being ambitious and then whatever it may be, there there's there's some of the qualities there. Um, in terms of philosophies, are again also likewise quite a quite a lot of philosophies I write about. Um, one thing I like I really like talking about is that. I think, you know, moonshot founders, they have wisdom sort of, they, they, they employ two sort of mental models, you know, sort of um, second order thinking and systems thinking, you know, second order thinking being like, what are the consequences of my consequences of the you know, consequences of that? And sort of, you know, the second, third, fourth order effects of whatever sort of decisions that they're making. And they, they, they have sort of the, the wisdom to kind of prepare for everything that might go wrong. And, and so, you know, kill any risks that might come along the way. But also, you know, they, they also employ systems thinking in that, you know, what is directly the, the, the first order effects, but within, you know, sort of, you know, like uh, tangential sort of, you know, industries or, or, or sectors or anything that, that happens right, right as a direct result of their sort of, you know, making their science, making their, their technology, scaling this company, making, you know, selling these products, et cetera. 
Um, yeah, again, I can give tons of examples of companies that went wrong doing that, and companies that went did you know, did, did it right, you know, did you know prepared for things years in advance. But yeah, at the end of the day, they 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 these moonshot founders have wisdom. I I think of it as wisdom in time and wisdom in space. At the end of the day, um, with, with those two sort of mental models. Um, then you know, you come to like the strategies, right? And, and there you know, those tangible strategies that anyone can kind of you know, go about digging them, whether it's you know, spinning out research from universities and you know, from from research labs, whether it's again just going out there doing your own research and and then kind of you know, trying to make a market on a real raise, raise venture funding and, and and you know kind of go making this compelling vision. You know, it could be you know, working with you know government and you know, people from academia and and people in entertainment and people in venture, people in the startup world, doing that. You know, creating new types of organ. Uh, uh, organizations even it doesn't even have to be you know companies themselves individual, individual startups but you know can you uh sort of you know, experiment with sort of on, on a meta science perspective you know different types of organizations that sort of you know, spin out you know new companies or incentivize new companies or or create some sort of environment you know incubators accelerators you know, communities things like that that sort of inspire people to kind of build these companies and stuff so i um, mean yeah, there's ton, tons of ways to kind of in terms of your strategy to kind of go about that and and really what, what it just comes down to in terms of you know, starting these you know quote unquote blue chat companies is that you have to be a really good storyteller um and these founders they are doing the impossible but they have to make the impossible real and so to that end they have to hire talent they have to raise money they have to you know sort of you know May, uh, attract early customers and kind of get early traction and everything and so it's uh, then the core kind of thing um sort of an underlying denominator is that they have to be great storytellers uh, and, and and sort of have to be um you know sort of re be really really compelling and really realistic in terms of what they can achieve and sort of in inspire people to kind of get to their mission and yeah finally I end with the ecosystem so you know working with again vc and startups and people in government and scientists and you know journalists and people in media and, and everything in between Kind of uh, yeah, you know, the the notion that a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, you know, working with everyone and kind of you know, bolstering the entire ecosystem as a whole is is, is one thing. One kind of try, uh, you know, thing I think we could do to you know inspire more mature companies. And so, and so yeah, I would say you know, in terms of our framework, I would I would break it down into those four categories. Interesting, interesting. No, those are those are very interesting uh, takes here. I think uh, I I really do believe that I think storytelling is one of the most important traits for anybody who's trying to do any kind of projects here. I mean, if you are mm -hmm. on your own and you're trying to do something, uh, you need to be a good storyteller. Uh, because it's not just about selling your product, but also selling your vision to even the people who are working with you. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's what... Uh, an individual can not succeed alone, right? You need a team. At least mm -hmm. two people, if not... If not just if you're not doing a if you're not doing a project a personal project if you're building a company or if you're building a business you definitely need that so I I completely agree agree on that front okay so Emily has a question uh, Emily you wanna you wanna ask the question yourself or uh, should I should I read it out um sure yeah I could read it um yeah. so and this kind of links into what you were just talking about I was saying so we're talking about the how essential it is for founders to be able to convey their vision to the world in a way that's inspiring and informative and rule you're writing on big problems and new companies and analysis in both your book and your um what you write for not boring it feels so natural and I was wondering how have you kind of worked on your craft as a writer and do you have any advice for founders looking to grow that skill mm. Oh yeah, of course. Um, awesome. So yeah, in 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 terms of uh, you know, how I work on my craft as a writer, um, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny and 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 you know, a, a major part of uh, you know, when I was writing my book and everything was you know developing that 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 credibility. Um, to you know, like say like, oh, you know, like I, I was a freshman and a sophomore in college at the time, like you know, like, I, who is who is this kid to you know sort of you know, say like, oh, he's writing a good quality book and a, a book that's you know quality of at least you know paying fifteen dollars to sort of buy it and everything and and so to that, like that that's like one thing I really really wanted to kind of address and you know sort of yeah, do 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 write by the readers and the people who who buy my book and everything and so to that like how did I develop my craft it's interesting like on, on on one hand like the only major writing experience I had before my book was just in high school <laughs> writing essays and in my English classes and stuff I didn't really have any sort of formal training there um, but, uh, you know, when, when I got to college and when I actually started writing about things, I was actually passionate about and not kind of, yeah, given sort of prompts by my English teacher. Um, it really just came naturally at the end of the day. It's, I, I, I realized that, you know, um, you know, whether like, I, I didn't really have any, any sort of, you know, practice or anything like that in terms of, you know, building my craft. It was just writing about what I actually enjoyed writing about. And then, you know, in, in, in a way I, I sort of took on this role 
that I wanted to be this bridge between the 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 highly technical and the non technical, and that's sort of the the role I I I want to take on in in what you know more write my book. Um, yeah, kind of able, being able to convey these you know kind of complex kind of you know, concepts and things like that. You know, but also inspire people and also it be an informative you know sort of good quality book at the end of that. And so doing all those you know three four five kind of things where priorities and stuff. Um, yeah, I, my 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 book was sort of born out of that. Um, and so yeah, so I'd say you know, it, 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 while while I didn't have any kind of crazy preparation, it, it was sort of the 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 expectations I set for myself, and 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 I know what came out of them was uh, was my book. Um, so yeah, and in terms of um, you know, how would I give give advice for you know, I guess you know, building this kind of storytelling sort of uh, you know, sort of um, you know, uh, skill at the end of the day. Um, well, there's a few things. I mean, you know, one it comes down to understanding your your um your your audience and, and and their sort of incentives and their understanding and you know where, where, where they sit right now and then where do you want to take them at the end of the day? and so again being being kind of the, the shepherd of you know sort of uh you know bringing your audience from like where, where they are to where where you want them to be um and you know whether whether that's you know being you know super compelling and emotional and then and, and you know just being inspiring and whatever it may be that obviously have these you know, surface level sort of you know, qualities of you know what makes a good storyteller but again at the end of the day i think it really just comes down to understanding their incentives and aligning those incentives with um with you know sort of uh yeah yourself and your work and and everything um sort of you know in between that, that you're sort of you know, working with i um, mean you know if, if you could do that right if you could sort of you know get get them kind of you know, like uh, emotionally invested into it um then i i think you could make a very compelling sort of uh sort of vision of the future and, and one that people want to support um and that's exactly what i did and that's what exactly what the best founders do in terms of you know when they're raising money or trying to attract you know early traction and customers or even talent as a whole and trying to hire the best people out there they have to be you know sort of aligned incentives you know understand their audience but also just be generally um sort of exciting and and and, and want people to you know, attractive at the end of the day and, and you know make people want to kind of you know, be surrounded by them um so yeah so yeah there's a few things here and there and and and, and again you know, being a storyteller is not some sort of groundbreaking kind of uh uh you know, skill to have and stuff right you know many people have done it and many people have done it better than me but you know to, and, and especially in the, in the context of startups and everything i i think it comes out to those few things interesting thanks a lot uh emily for that question rahul i basically wanted to touch a little bit upon the investment and the vc journey of yours uh mm-hmm. in general because you have been you have been a part of two of the biggest vc firms in the world um and i guess lux you also mentioned has is one of those who has an in-house accelerator and incubator in which you groom the startups that you basically uh, who are a part of the portfolio as well how does that whole process entail I and mean, what does that process entail uh and 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 what kind of support do you people have you seen uh the startup founders require the most hand holding in uh in in their overall journey yeah yeah of course so yeah so you know as i said before when i was working at lux um you know lux as with many many kind of you know, vc firms that are like and, and more and more recent years that they've been adopting this this kind of incubation strategy and you know like building uh, yeah I, I think that, like you know the best deal flow is the one that you sort of create everything at the end of the day and stuff and so um yeah like they're they're they're, they're building companies in-house um you know attracting the, the the management teams the 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 core team at the end of the day and helping them just you know just build their company sort of you know from day one um and so yeah to that end what do i find that in, in the early stages what 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 we all kind of seen the most handholding is, is 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 frankly it's 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 the business side of things and so the, the um yeah, like uh, especially when I was at Lux, but but also this was especially apparent when I was in at Arcadia, you know, building this bio lab and you're spinning out startups there. And and yeah, you know, if, if I had to say like where did I get most quote unquote incubation experience, it's obviously I'm building out this bio lab and, and sort of founding that, and also you know focusing on the translational strategy there. So the biggest thing is that a lot, of, and, and this is very very fair to kind of a you know sort of you know, kind of a yeah you know, kind of quality to have and stuff. But uh, you know scientists and people you know the, the, the technologists and things like people like that. They don't understand really understand the, the business at, at at hand and stuff. And so you know, to that end, being a, a person to kind of shepherd them in terms of all things you know, business related, whether it's legal things or you know, marketing and product and and so you know like a distribution and all that stuff. Um, you know, here are these highly technical, highly knowledgeable, and just incredibly smart people. But at the end of the day, like, do they have the operational skills of running a business? That's two completely different skills. And so to that end, you know, being being as a VC firm or as an individual investor, kind of helping them. You know, go about that process and stuff is 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 the most kind of you know, what I find most filling and, and I love doing that and 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 you know people have done it better than me and I'm still learning I'm, I'm no expert at the end of the day I'm I'm still kind of getting started my my personal journey in, in terms of doing that you know but I'm nonetheless uh 
you know help, helping them with the business side of things has, has how, always been the most uh, sort of challenging how, thing how how do how does the evaluation thing work because i still and i we have been we have had a lot of you know investors in the podcast as well before this uh, from what i could gather of course everybody has a framework but at the end of the day the chance there's i mean it's 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 kind of like a very calculated risk that you usually take and you try to minimize the overall risk across your portfolio mm-hmm. uh and 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 but i i i wanted to understand is how does the math work out at the end of the day because it's not a month it's not an year on year thing right uh it usually you know your returns come after seven years after a decade and and till then you know once you get a fund and you deploy it how do you basically mm-hmm. start reaching out to the second second funds and how does that whole process work just a little bit of a primer before we probably jump onto the next question but there is something which i which i had in mind so i wanted to ask that question with you as well yeah yeah of course so i mean you know and this is not kind of specific to any specific venture yeah. fund it's more broadly how how venture works um but you know in, in terms of you know early stage venture and everything yeah you know there there's there's i mean on, on one hand there's very little math to be quite honest um uh, there's no revenue there's no fundamentals there's no kind of metrics and stuff so especially we're at the idea stages and you know very very you know, pre-seed maybe seed stages um for the most part there's there's usually not any sort of semblance of you know sort of you know, kind of metrics and stuff but again you know like the the, the on, on one hand while most companies don't have anything the best companies do have you know some sort of you know, early traction or early validation you know LOIs, things like that, they they have sort of proof that they're they're the tech and they're there's very little market risk and that they, they can actually you know, scale and just distribute and, and make their sort of impact a hand. And so to that end, um, you know, like what once you kind of establish that, you know, more it's typically more qualitatively sort of at the early stages, but nonetheless, once you can validate that, all right, like this this business is legit and they, they can do something there, then it's you know sort of you know, go, going about you know doing the valuation stuff. Um and 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 I've seen many venture investors do it very, very differently. Um some investors just make a valuation at hand and they just like all right i'll give you this amount of money um and, and then they, they they kind of buy into whatever valuation at hand um in terms of like you know firms that lead you know very very early you know stage companies and stuff maybe they they, they have their, their own sort of you know kind of uh you know expectations and and you know sort of you know ways of kind of valuating companies maybe like they value the science sort of at the early stages the the, the value that the teams can create anything like that um, but there's no, there's not really any sort of you know, discounted cash flows and and then you know weighted average cost of capital and and also you know you know the sort of uh you know sort of financial models to kind of find this valuation for a company there just isn't that uh, they don't have those metrics they don't have those fundamentals and stuff and so it's very very qualitative um and yeah no you you are right like you know at the early stages you're, you're creating this portfolio of companies and you're you're uh, you know, have to you have to consider my I mean you consider my I can, I'm just you know probably gonna just list them off the top of my head but yeah one is you know like the power law for example you're you're like venture investors realize that only one, two, three, very, very, you know, tiny percentage of their entire portfolio is going to return the entire thing. And so today then it's optimizing for that, the, 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 the companies that are on the, you know, the power law and, and sort of, uh, sort of at that scale, as opposed to investing in companies that sort of at the tail end that will maybe hurt returns or return the, the exact money invested or, or not really do much for the entire fund at hand. Um, and, and, you know, an ideal sort of benchmark is, and, you know, most, most venture investors want to achieve that, that, that sort of three X kind of return on their funds. And so, and, and that's sort of the mark of a good investor. Um, and so, yeah, to that end, you know, it's it's whether it's a spray and pray strategy, whether it's a very concentrated, you know, sector specific strategy. It's you know only investing in the best or you know, sort of you know, founder talent strategy. There's very you know different different strategies amongst different firms. You have different kind of uh, strategies for portfolio construction. You have stages, valuations, things like that. So it's all all all, all this goes you know, power law and stuff like all this goes to show that you know, ventures. It's not that simple. At the end of the day, it's very very complicated and, and very high risk, but also a very very high reward. If you if you do it right, yeah. but that's big but, um, but, yeah. but that that basically begs the question that is it a more individual driven thing or does uh, all the different VC firms that you see have a certain framework? The reason why I say this is because if somebody let's say A who's working and let's say Axel, uh, he tomorrow leaves Axel and goes to Sequoia, does the way he evaluates the company change or is the same person but in a different suit? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, uh, while so, you know different firms have different strategies and everything, it also comes down to individual investors themselves. You know, individual investors have their own theses and their own you know way of doing things and and what 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 makes a good company to them, their risk appetite, everything. And so yeah, like, I, I would say it's it's both. It's you know like the the, the investor at hand and again, again you know 
if this investor hypothetical investors go into a different firm, there there probably is for a good reason. Maybe their strategy aligns with that firm more, or they want to evolve their their the strategy with with you know sort of the mentorship or just to work with another firm. Maybe any 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 sort of host of reasons. But at the end of the day, yeah, an adventure is definitely highly highly um you know like con uh, or you know kind of individual to like the individual investors, but also the firms at hand and and sort of you know um and sectors at hand and things like that. Um, so there, there there's levels to it at the end of the day. Um, it's the most simplest way of uh, putting it. Yeah, yeah, it's a small community and I think it too, everybody has their own way at the end of the day, whichever gives the maximum return. Ashwin has a question. Ashwin, do you want to ask the question yourself? Uh, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, so, uh, so Rahul, actually, this is Ashwin. So is there any possibility of getting cash based with an uh, in-house accelerator of uh, Lux Capital? Do you have any in-house accelerator? You should. Uh, you should Ashwin tell a little bit about the company that you're building as well. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so uh, Rahul, this is Ashwin, and uh, we are electric vehicle manufacturing uh, startup. So initially, we were concentrating on the electric car. Uh, due to its uh, cash intensive, uh, now we are just focusing on electric cycles with multiple innovations, and uh, we are um, we are making it uh, synced with AI. So uh, we are in the uh, early stage and we have created our MVP and uh, we have also got some uh, pre-orders. We are uh, registering the firm. Everything is going on. So uh, we are uh, seeing that if there any proper uh, accelerator or proper uh, support, if we have, we could do uh, even 10x more than what we are doing now. Mm -hmm. So uh, Yeah, yeah, of course. You can probably yeah, you can yeah. probably point them point uh, point them to the right accelerators which are out there in the market, Rahul. That will be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously to read around, I'm I'm not employed by by Lux anymore and stuff. But yeah. but also like like uh, for for a lot of firms specifically, and it's not you know specific to Lux, but a lot of firms like while they have like in-house accelerators, it's, it's not technically like something you could apply to. It's it's more so like kind of like a network driven, and, and yeah, you reach out to them, and if they want to kind of incubate you, they 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 do so. Um, but in terms of actual uh, sort of accelerators, and I I, I think that, uh, things that would be more so applicable to to you know where where you want to uh, sort of mm -hmm. how you want to build your company and everything. Um, yeah, whether it's you know YC and you know find a YC or 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 you know like TechStars or um any of like the major accelerators out there. There's a lot of I I'm in I'm I'm very familiar with the, there's a lot of India based accelerators and stuff and a lot of actually venture funds have gone to India and 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 and, and you know, to, in terms of uh, building building kind of you know, infrastructure there for for startups. Um, I mean there there's tons of you know smaller you know lesser known ones but just has as high quality accelerators as you know as uh, you know YC and TechStars and everything like that. So yeah, I would I would say yeah definitely. Definitely focus on reaching out to um, you know incubators, accelerators, and stuff. Um, it's a, a I you're I feel like you might be way too early for venture investors, but rather you're at the right stage for yeah sort of the 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 accelerator, the sort of idea stage kind of um you know sort of uh, you know stages at the end of that and stuff. And so yeah, I would say you know look into YC, look into TechStars, look into all those sort of you know, major accelerators. And I think that would be very ideal for for you. Yeah, sure, sure. Thanks, thank you, thank you. Thanks a lot, Himesh, for that. Okay, Praneet, you have a question. You do, do you want to ask the question? Should I ask? Yeah, I will ask the question. Hi, Rahul. This is uh, I am currently working as a software engineer, but I am uh, very curious and like I have an innate curiosity about uh, the startup uh, ecosystem currently. I just want to ask you one question. If you were to bet all your money, all your life savings on one startup, which one would you pick and why? It's a good question. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all all my left money may uh, maybe that's not the best uh sort of portfolio construction strategy, but uh, you know, uh, I I would say I mean I have been putting my own money into a few companies here and there. Um, and, and then you know very very sort of uh bullish on those for 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 you know for for whatever reasons. Um, but you asked all my money. That's the tough question. Um, that's hard to say. Um, uh, I I I I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not that this is a startup by any means, but you know, some maybe a company, you know, a private company like you know SpaceX or Stripe or whatever. Like, that, like if I had to think, like, all right, like, well, like, where would I put my all, all if I put all my money and stuff? Probably you know, something very, very sort of you know, dearest and stuff. So a later stage company probably. But um, again, I, I guess for the purposes of answering your question, I'm sure you want some sort of early stage company. Um, I, I can tell you of the other ones I have put, you know, kind of a good amount of my money to to back. So you know, one of them is called Circa. They're kind of you know, making uh sort of this raw materials marketplace and 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 essentially what he's trying to do is digitize the, the circular economy. I mean it's also very you know climate change kind of you know, play and, and you know supply you know kind of you know 
improving supply chains and stuff. I think that that's a very cool kind of thing what they're doing there. Um, another company I invested in is 64X Bio. They're doing you know cell line manufacturing and 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 the kind of scaling sort of you know, you know cell and gene therapy kind of you know, manufacturing and stuff. Amazing company. I think they're putting a lot of money towards that. Another company is called Colossal. I kind of invested in. Um, you know, sort of a they're doing they're de-extincting uh sort of you know, extinct organisms and 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 sort of animal and stuff. Pretty pretty crazy science going on there. Um, yeah, uh, a, a few ones here here and there. Oh, another one is called Anduril, a national security company. I think I'm pretty very very bullish on that. Um, so yeah, I would say uh, amongst those few ones, I've I have actually put some of my personal money and personal savings. Actually, all my book revenue I, I put towards uh, angel investment to start up. So for what it's worth, um, all the money I do get it does not go into my pockets, but rather into which the companies themselves. And so yeah, I would say I would I would list off that, those companies that, that I already have uh, put money behind. Nice. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that question. I, I have one last question, then we'll probably close up while we are running out of time. Uh, Prani, uh, Rahul, what do you think about the whole crypto ecosystem right now? Because I think your book talks about moonshots, your book talks about taking the unconventional route, your book talks about having the contrarian view. I want to have uh, your take on the crypto ecosystem. A lot of stuff happening right now. Regulations are on the way, but, but in general, what's your outlook like? How do you see yourself? How do you see the whole technology shaping the way we live in the future? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's funny. I yeah, you know, like from 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 day one, and 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 I I definitely dabbled and experimented with with crypto and, and companies and things like that. And, um, it was never uh, never a priority for me because I've always really stuck to again the hard sciences from tech tech and stuff. Um, so, you know when, when I was working at the firms that I did work at, I wasn't really covering crypto for the most part. Um, did you know here here and there and stuff. Um, but generally just just saw that the whole rise and fall of this you know this latest you know kind of bull run within crypto. Um, and I think going forward and while I'm no crypto expert and don't spend any time there or anything, I think what it's going to look like is is what the 2001 kind of a tech bubble looked like in that, you know, you had all this massive speculation and just crazy sort of you know, sentiments and things like that. And, and stuff. And, and then the major crash happened and out of the crash and out of the carnage and stuff, it, which wiped out all sort of the, the, the wrong people. They just wiped out, you know, you sort of you know, all, all you know, these bad actors and, and all these sorts of, you know, like uh, people that are just not genuinely building products that people want and people need. You're getting rid of all the waste, and 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 I think the, the right companies will shine out of it. And so again, I I don't know any specific sort of you know, crypto trends I'm you know, pretty bullish on, um. But nonetheless, I would say that I think this crash is probably for the best, which is a crazy thing to say. But nonetheless, I think it is for the best because um, um, I think out of it will come a lot of high quality founders and you know, uh, sort of you know, solving problems that are genuinely you know problems that to 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 be solved, and 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 those that will create you know actual value in the world, um. So yeah, so to that end, pretty pretty bullish on crypto, I would say. Um, I don't know in terms of specifics, and I don't really spend too much time on it. But I think out of all this uh, carnage will come some some high quality companies. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think the contagion of the FTX might actually be lead to something good in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I also believe that I think the future is moving towards Web three point It's just uh, a matter of how. It's not a question of if anymore. Um, I think I think there's a lot more to cover yet. I think we actually look forward to reading your book, Making Moonshots. Uh, I you. think you actually have given us a glimpse of how, you know, what we can expect to read uh, in the book as well. So uh, for all of you, all of the guys who joined in, and there, there, are, there are quite a few of you, I basically... Uh, you know, Alexandria for Alexandria. Uh, from Alexandria, Emily has been kind enough to you know offer three free special first edition copies randomly to folks who sign up on their mailing list. So there is an email of Emily which I'm putting uh in the in the chat here. All you have to do is just mail in this group. Uh, sorry, just mail Emily on this email ID with the subject line builders club i'll also pass it on in the community as well and out of out of you guys i think one of uh, three of you actually two of you one will be mine <laughs> i also want emily <laughs> i also want a book of travel so well uh, so well yeah. that's unfair so well uh, <laughs>
ஒர்க் <laughs> and the book is releasing on 30th of uh, of november is just two weeks from now uh, and it goes on sale and i think uh, emily if you want to talk a little bit about alexandria labs and what you guys are doing as well as we close off that'll be really helpful because i think a few of the guys here are building in the crypto space as well uh, and they would love to know what you are doing yeah so we're using nfts to make limited edition collectible books and actually This week, we're at a publishing conference with folks who know very little about technology in general, let alone crypto. They're like indie authors who just aren't interested in it. Um, But we've had a lot of fun like exploring with them what's really cool about this, whether or not you know or care how an NFT works. Um, So, yeah, we're doing book releases. Um, We're doing some with authors like Raul, who we're really excited about their book. And we are building, you know, working on building audiences around them. Um, But we also offer... um mainly like the technology to release a book as an nft um and then kind of different suggestions of ways to like make continued offerings with it because a book as a token can be a lot more than just the text it can be ah. like with this with making moonshots we're doing also that you can go to an exclusive q a with rule um you can connect with other readers in a book club um people who care about the same thing are learning about the same thing at the same time as you um ongoing reading recommendations um and then for like more creative books there's like world building stuff that we're playing with like can there be other digital collectibles that come with it can there be additional content um yeah it's it's very fun excited to launch in the next couple months nice nice all the way best emily and rahul with this book launch we will support in whatever way we can uh and and yeah i mean i think uh, chandrakant himesh you guys have been silent all throughout any 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 feedback any thoughts any any questions to rahul before before we take leave it it was amazing yeah i was just listening to him uh, that's it uh, because uh, he was speaking so much and <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> a little bit it, yeah yeah so because of maybe uh, i'm not used to listening to someone who speaks at my speed and rahul <laughs> <So, laughs> you speak too fast that's the yeah. feedback <laughs> yeah so so now i understand how people uh, get it but it was a really informative session by rahul and i liked the things which uh, and some of the pointers which he really specified into and detailed into that was really nice i yeah. hoping to read the book too <laughs> and uh, his newsletter also I, th- i think it's a newsletter right yes he... not boring uh, not i'll boring. put the link yeah. i'll put the link of that as well it's yeah, i really subscribe. wanted to read that uh, yeah i was going through it before before the podcast very interesting so who manages this uh, rahul oh so i'm just a writer for it um it, it was completely founded and and, and managed by uh, sort of uh, one guy packy mccormick and his brother dan mccormick um so packy and dan they're they're the founders of it they they do everything i'm i'm just a writer for it um, but yeah amazing shit man amazing this this one is actually so we do a lot of stuff but i think the way the you people have packaged it it's good it's really good thank uh, you thank, thank you i appreciate that <laughs> thanks for sharing the link also so yeah. i'll just go and subscribe into it yeah so, please do <laughs> okay with that i think uh, we will draw it to a close rahul how was your experience it was great it was great thank you for having me i, I really appreciate you you know you give me a platform to sort of speak about all this stuff and i think uh, it was it was a fairly open ended discussion here we tried to grill you a little bit as well but i think uh, i think what you talked about and i think it's it's really interesting the way you uh, you have integrated the whole idea of moonshot into a personal experience a personal journey and it need not be it need not be something world breaking it can be something personal as well and it's uh, it's the way it's it's a mindset it's an attitude at the end of the yeah. day and and mm-hmm. and that is what matters uh and looking forward to reading the book all the way best for the launch and uh, and yeah i mean i think with that we can draw this uh, podcast to a close uh, thanks a lot guys for joining in on a friday night as we always say uh, you guys have been really really helpful and supportive uh, to be a part of the club 
uh, we usually keep this to a smaller group because only then uh, we can have meaningful conversations otherwise just having a lot of audience really doesn't make sense but this will go out on spotify and on youtube yeah. and uh, probably we'll also have certain parts of this conversation cut out and shared on uh, as hopefully by the time the book launches this uh, no i don't think we'll, we'll be able to release it in two weeks but hopefully uh, you know soon uh, we will be releasing this and uh, would be great if you guys can also share it in your network once this one launches with that uh, thanks a lot guys for joining in thanks a lot rahul thanks a lot emily for uh, for taking time out uh, and and sharing your experiences with the builders club uh, and we wish you all the very best godspeed and we'll see you guys next time take care thank you bye thanks so much bye kiss the help bye 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 that was the episode hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this if you like the episode do share it with your friends and rate us on spotify google store and itunes If you want to join the Water Cooler podcast live, join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me. Until next time, upwards and onwards.